kind of started off with the story of David because uh, David's very important. David isn't perfect, but one of the things that he did get right was in the midst of him learning how to follow God, he also learned how to stay wholehearted with Jesus in his pursuit. And that's the trait that we really want to understand. Sometimes we think that when we follow Jesus, we're supposed to be perfect. And that's very easy to do. How many of you, right before you go to Sunday, you guys dress up your best? All right, what's another one? How many before you guys go on Sunday, you try and not do any sin? If there's one day where you're not supposed to sin, it's Sunday, right? How many of you, if you're going to smile and say good things, you're going to do it on service, right? How many of you, if you're going to stay pure, it's the day when you're worship leading. And so it's very easy for us to think about Sunday and make that the most pure day of the week. But then the rest of the week happens, and then so does Lady Gaga. And then so does Eid Bulaga. And so does The Voice or whatever else. Those are like the last three things I knew was on TV. And all of these other commercials and things start hitting us and temptations. And of course, <laughs> the secret boyfriend and girlfriend <laughs> that all of us don't have. None of us have that. Yeah, none of us have that. Okay, so the, the important part is, what do you start measuring from? When you look at your life with Jesus, what do I measure on what makes me successful? Okay, if you go to college, what do you measure if you're going to pass? You're going to measure your grade. So what do you try and do in college or school? You try and get a high grade. If you get a high grade, how do you feel? Good. All right. Now, let's say you get a low grade. How do you feel? Bad. Because that's what you're measuring. Now, when you look at God, what do you measure? What's your grading scale? That's very important. Because if your grading scale is your Sunday church clothes, on Monday, you're going to feel like crap. Because you don't look like you do on Sunday. But what are you measuring? Are you measuring, did you hit the notes right? Are you measuring, did you put your makeup on right? Are you measuring, did the girl that I don't like, like me? You know what I mean? Are you, what are you measuring? That's what's the important part. So what I want to teach you today, if you don't know it already, is what God measured before he picked a king. And a king is a king. Not only is this a king, this is the king of God's people. You got Jesus, obviously, who's the king of kings. And then you got who he's selecting as a king over Israel. I'm not going to get into all of the history of it. Just know that's, what, that's what's going on. Now... What do you want in a king? What would you want your king to look like? Tall, dark, handsome, rich, powerful. What if you picked someone that was bang it and poor and broke and didn't have a degree? Would you pick that for your king? No, right? Because the world tells us what we should look for in a leader. And it also did that in the Bible. If you go to 1 Samuel 9, okay, the first one is this. There's two kings in, the, in 1 Samuel. First, there is Saul. And this is, Saul is the first one they picked. That's the one that everybody wants. Where does Saul come from? Okay? This is sometimes what all of us want to be from. Right? 
Saul came from a wealthy and influential family. How many of you are from wealthy, influential families? Nobody? You know, most of the wealth in the country of the Philippines is owned by 40 families. There's 40 families in the Philippines that own something like 60% of the country's money. Saul was from one of the most powerful, richest, most influential families in the Israelites. That's all. Okay, what's the next one? Oh, look at that. Number two. He was the most handsome and tall man. Now, that's what, that's what, that's what they wanted. How tall was this guy? He was, he was taller, a head and shoulder taller than everyone else. That means if Saul is standing here, he'd look over everybody. His head would be taller than everybody. When he walked through that door, he almost bumped his forehead. Right? That's how tall he would be. That door is like whatever, 20 feet or something. So he walked in. That's who they selected first as a leader. Who do your parents want you to be? Who do your leaders want you to be? Who does the media want you to be? Who does the TV want you to be? Who are you when you look in the mirror? You're not anything the devil wants you to be. The devil wants you to be a bunch of stuff that you're not. And then so what happened? You get Saul. He becomes the leader. And guess what? God said, don't make him leader because he's selfish. And he doesn't worship me wholeheartedly. And guess what the people did? They begged him to become the leader. They said, this guy is so good looking. Mm, he looks like that bench model. Like, he's so good looking. He's so rich. He's so powerful. He's so tall. It sounds like a rap song. He should be our leader. And they almost rioted against God to make him the leader. So guess what God did? He said, go ahead, take him. That's what we do when we riot against God. When we riot against God of who we are, you do that enough, he'll let you do it. How do you know he lets you? Right? How do you know God's given you over to something? You know how? You don't feel it anymore. You have a seared conscience. You ever watch? Well, maybe you haven't. You ever just look at a girl or a guy? I don't know. Girls do the same thing. Oh, yeah. Look at a girl or a guy. you just like, hmm. No. 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 And you, how do you feel? There's like no conscience. Right? Sometimes. I don't know all of you, but for some of you, there may be no conscience. You know what happened? You've been given over to that sin now. It's seared. That's what it says in Romans 1. That's what we're dealing with as a generation. Oh, can I walk around naked? Yeah, sure. Your, your only naked body is for your husband and your wife. Well, I'm going to walk around naked anyways. Is that bad? Well, they're on TV. That's not bad. It's seared. That's what happened with the Israelites. They were so in rebellion of what God wanted. When God directly told them, they, they wouldn't even listen. It was seared. Who cares if God says no? It becomes seared. And then guess what happens? Then they get what they want. And that's a really bad place to be. You know, I dabbled in sexual pornography and sexual sin so much. It got to the place 
where I didn't even care if the person was alive. They could be dead. So bad into sexual pornography because my conscience became seared and then seared and then seared and then seared and then seared. And that's a really bad place to be because you know why? You don't think it's wrong. There's nothing in you that has a remorse for sin. And that's where Saul was. And that's what develops into him. Now, that's not what God sees in you. Now, what you have to measure yourself by is that if you're tall, dark, and handsome. I know you're tall, dark, and handsome, and you got a really nice car. But we're not measuring that right now, right? All right? Well, we're going to measure. This is, this is what you're going to measure. Go to 1 Samuel 16. God starts talking to Samuel, the prophet Samuel, and telling him what you need to look for for a king. Why is this important? Because this is what you need to look for when you think about what's important. It will protect you very much. I tell you, I got saved in the Philippines when I was 18 years old. And you know what happened after that? I was a saint the next day. No, actually, I went back to slanging cocaine. Then I got into my worst sexual sins after I met Jesus. And for three years, I got into sins that were so bad, I couldn't even imagine them when I was a gang member. So what happened? So you go into it because I was measuring the wrong thing. I was measuring what God looks at the wrong way. And then now it's been, what, I don't know, 16 years or something, 15 years, that I finally gave in to those sins, and I, God told me, you got to get rid of, no, okay, I'll tell you, methamphetamine left, Shabu left in five seconds, didn't fiend for it one second, I just dropped it, you know, it stuck to me really hard that I couldn't get away was my idolization for women, could not get rid of it. And then after three years of selling cocaine, getting into so many promiscuous relationships, God tells me, there's so much I can do with your life if you give up your addiction to women. And he said, give me three years. And I was like, three years of what? Three years of your life and don't date nobody for three years. And I will, I will show you, you do not need women in your life to feel like a man. It took me three years. Then it took another three years to get Claudia. Claudia is a seven-year consecration, if you don't know that. If you're wondering, how did Tommy get Claudia? Seven years of consecration? All right, let's go to the next one. So what, were, what is it that I should have been measuring in the beginning? Let's look at this. Samuel comes in. This is verse 6. He comes in, and he says, God tells him, go to the sons of Jesse. The king will be there. So the son of Jesse, Jesse pulls all of his sons in, and all of them are there. And who is he? Who's he look at? Who's the first one that should be the king? The firstborn that's the best looking. And you know what Samuel says? Samuel says, yo, this is him. The prophet of God himself fell into that. And then he looked at it, and then he says, you know, this is verse 7. He looks at him and he says, God tells Samuel, looks aren't everything. That means what God is measuring, the success of your call on, has nothing to do with how you look and sound. I'm going to go over look today, and then I'm going to go over sound the next session. None of it. 
I got to look a little bit good, what if I look a little bit bang it? Right? What if I look a little bit bang it? God said, Samuel, don't even worry about that. I want you to look at something else. Then he says this the next verse. He says, God judges people differently than these humans. Men and women look at the face. God looks at the heart. That's what you got to measure your call on. You see, I don't even know what you look like in your heart. I can't judge it. I can look like, I can tell what you look like with makeup. I got makeup on right now. No, I don't. <laughs> That'd be kind of weird. I don't got makeup on right now. Right? Some people do, some people don't. God don't care. All right, God looks at your heart. All right, so what am I going to focus on? Every single day when I wake up, what am I going to give myself to? 10 push-ups, you know, doing my makeup, you know, getting my hair ready, making sure I look good. What am I going to do? Or am I going to spend my morning preparing my heart? When I get done with this stage thing, right? When I get done with this thing, get over there, go home. What, what am I asking myself? Wow, did I preach well? Oh, did I, did I do that well? Oh, was that good? Was that good? God's looking right over here and saying, how is your heart? Every single time. I could bomb my preaching right now, and I could be talking to you in Hindi or Telugu or something, and none of you would even know what I'm saying, and nothing happens. In fact, Jomar, the, the, mo the one thing you learned today was that I had the wrong handout. And I could go home, and what will God measure? He will measure how much I love him. That's what he measures. In your call, when does that change? It's been 15 years. You know what? After the first month, you graduate. Nah, you don't care. When 50 years later in your life, you will look dramatically different today. Dramatically different. Rema, I remember when I met Rema. She was like up in here, like in Lapu Lapu. She was singing on broken speakers. And then I heard her voice. And I looked at Claudia and I said, that's a worshiper. And Claudia said, her? And I was like, well, you got you to hear it. The speakers are broken. She can't hear herself. There ain't no monitors. She don't know what she sounds like. That's why she can't hear it. That's a worshiper. And Claudia was like, okay. She's she not a musician. She don't get that stuff. But her heart was worshiping. And that's what God saw when he said the call. That is unshakable. Unshakable. You know what? You know why I'm still preaching to you today? Even though I got a bill bill? You know I am 15 kilograms overweight. 15. That's like a luggage to Thailand. You know how much Ariella weighs? 15 kilograms. I got 15 kilograms of Ariella in fat in my body. And I I've been eating the same for 10 years. Right when I hit 30, boom. I'm like, yo, what? What is going on? I'm like bouncing around the house now. I'm like, what is going on here? And you know what I do? I got to do physical therapy because I busted my back. I got to do all this stuff. I got I to gotta eat 1,500 calories a day. That's as much Jonah eats with cucumbers. And she puts a little salt on the cucumber. That's like 1,500. That's my diet now. You know how much I used to eat every day? 4,000 calories a, a, like a day. 
That's like, ma, 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 ma. You know what? I used to go to buffets in the Philippines. They would raise the price after I got done. Raise about 50, 100 pesos. And when I'm like 18 years old, I'm like, crap, I ain't going there. I got no 100 pesos. What you talking about? Try to rip me off. Well, so what do I, when I measure and I go to prayer, what am I asking God? Lord, I ask that you would take away my bill bill so that when I preach, they don't see my bill bill. Right? What if I did that? I could have worn a little vest so I don't look so fat, right, when I move around, whatever it is. But what, what did God tell me to do every single morning? Get on your face before me. I didn't literally get on my face, but I got on my face. I, I asked the Lord, what is it you want to say? Who is it they are to you? What is it they need to know? How do you feel about them? And then you know what? I woke up and I lost all my weight. Nah, I still got it. But that's not what makes you called by God. That's not what makes you successful. That's not what keeps you in the long run. That has nothing to do with how much you love God and a potato chip. All right, verse 11. He goes down the line. He starts telling him, well, check this son. Check this son. Samuel's like, this got to be the son. This got to be the son. And then God says, none of them are the son. None of them. Everyone the dad brought out wasn't the called one. And then guess what God said? He told him, these aren't it. And then Samuel said, do you have anyone left in your family? And then Jesse was like, yeah, I got somebody. He's like in the back, though, taking care of the sheep. And then Samuel says, go get him. Because that's who God wants. And that's where God calls you. You know, you're not the most powerful country in Asia. You know that, right? You can check your GDP and figure that out real fast. Right? You're not the most powerful country. We're not the most well-known leaders in the world. But you got 4 million Filipinos that can live where nobody else. You got, you got Jesus up in the front. You got the president himself saying, we need to pray for this country. And you know what the, you know what the whole country says? Yeah, we should. You know what they got in America? A bunch of political warfare as if God is real. God sees the heart of the Philippines, and that's why you're called today. Because he sees your heart. And where were you guys? Where were you guys? Were you guys, were you guys making a ton of money? Were you guys rich? Uh, let's go to the, the richest group right now. They're going to be our leaders. Where were you guys? What were you doing before you said yes to Jesus? You know, what were the things that you were, some of you were just trying to figure out if you were saved. Some of you were trying to figure out if God even loves you. And then God pulled you from the sheep and said, that's my king. That's my queen. That's the one that I want you, Tommy, to tell is going to be a leader in this country. And that's who you are. And then he goes on. He pulls them. And then guess what he says? Samuel sees him with God's eyes, and he says, wow, he's, he's in good health. You know what he's seeing beyond that is his inner beauty. You got the inner beauty of Jesus. You could have been doing anything else in COVID-19. And you said, I'm going to drop everything and follow God. You know, when God sees you right now, he's seeing the same thing. He says, a very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking, up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. 
And then he looks on the next verse, and he says, so Samuel took the flask, and the Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. Some of you lived life, but some of you never lived with the anointing of God on you. Some of you spoke, but you never spoke with the fire of God on your tongue. Some of you said yes to a plan, but you never picked the one that God said, I want you to do that for a decade. And when you have the Holy Spirit rush through you, you are not the same. You're not the same victim that fell into sin every single day of the lies of the enemy, of who you were born to be, of what whoever said about you. You turn into somebody that kills Goliath. You turn into somebody that stands against the kings of the earth and has a message for the kings. That's who you stand in front of when the Holy Spirit comes in you. And then he says, anoint him, empower him for the rest of his life. And then that's what happened. David had sins that he needed to figure out, and that obviously stopped him from a lot of things. And then guess what? Samuel left. But guess who's in you? The Holy Spirit. And that's what you got to hold on to when you walk this life. It's only faith. If I talked to a secular counselor on what it would take for me to be a leader as a gang member, they would say, seven years of counseling for your trauma. Then after that, maybe rehabilitation. You know, you got to go to drug rehab. You got to go do all these types of things. Not one counselor in my beginning days was telling me who I was in God. The only person that told me who I was, was God. And I grew up with that. And then God confirmed it. Just like you, Pastor Mark. Like I'm confirming it. You got a voice. God's going to use you. He said it. And you know what the devil said? The exact opposite. And we're going to make him run. We're going to make the devil run from your lives. You know how many ways the devil will run from your life? It says in the Bible, seven different ways. You ever feel like you got attacked by temptation, you gave into it, and then the devil's kicking it in your chair? He's like, yo, I'm in your heart right now. What you want? You know what's going to happen to him when you realize who you are in the Holy Spirit? He's going to run. You're going to go on seven different ways. I don't even know how he does that. It's in the Bible, though. Maybe he got like seven different body parts that go this way or whatever. He's going to run seven different ways when you know who you are in God and you don't let go of it. It says in the Bible that God gives dreams and visions when the Holy Spirit comes. And so Holy Spirit, I ask right now, that you would release dreams and visions of who every single individual is here right now. God, it says in Jeremiah 29, if you seek me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And so God, I ask that you would increase faith right now inside the room. Just lift your hands up to Jesus and say, God, increase my faith. Increase my faith, Jesus. Just lift up your voice to God and ask God himself, who did you make me to be? What did you call me to be? Who am I to you, Jesus? And just ask him. You're going to get visions. You're going to get scriptures. You're going to hear in a still, small voice. And the Holy Spirit, you're going to get in person. You're going to get an impression of what he's saying to you right now. So, Lord, I ask, it's not, 
It's not in how loud you get, but it's in how deep you want him. It's in how hungry you want Jesus. And that can look like you're on your face, or it can look like you're standing up. It can look like you're sitting down. But the biggest thing God's looking at right now is your heart. And if there's something in front of your heart, just repent of it and let it go. Don't wait for Dan Tang to say, do it. Don't wait for Rema to do it. You just let it go. You don't need it. It's evil. It's not a good thought from God that you have that. God's revealing the hardest things for you to let go of right now. God asks that you would just, some of you are going to break up with people. Some of you are going are gonna to block some people from Facebook. Some of you are going to stop looking at your messenger so much. Some of you are going to shut down your YouTube and delete it. Some of you are going to stop saying what you know is a sin. And God's saying, let go of it. If you let go of it, I will be the one that guides you. Lord, we just, we destroy any seeredness of consciousness to you, God. In the name of Jesus, I just break off witchcraft over the minds of this generation, over the minds of the people in this room. I just sense a grip of witchcraft of where you, it's almost like you start talking about some things of God and you go, you go blind. You don't know what you're, you don't know what you're hearing anymore. In the name of Jesus, we just break that off. And we just declare, you hear the voice of God. You hear the voice of God in the name of Jesus. How do you know it's God? It's a good thought about you. It's not a prideful thought. It's a good thought about you. When you tell yourself who you are, that's pride. When you let God tell you who you are, that's humility. So Lord, I ask that you would remove any motivational speaking that we give to ourselves. Any words that were spoken over us from our family and our parents and the media and the TV. And the word of God that rests over every single person in this room. God, I ask that you would, you would lift up, that you would amplify your still small voice, Jesus. Some of you, you hear it now. It's like you were deaf. It's like you were deaf and now you can hear. And some of you, you're reminded of what it is. And some of you, for the first time, believe you're more than what Satan made you for. And Lord, you just have to ask God for more. Whatever he's doing, the length, the width, the depth, the height of God is infinite in his love. There's always more. The hungry and the thirsty will be filled. Lord, I ask that you would increase hunger. In the name of Jesus, I just break off a poverty mindset of how much you can use us, God. Of how much we can serve you, of how much you could do with us. Some of you, you think your calling is limited to your money and your looks. And that's a lie from the enemy. And we just break that off in the name of Jesus. Any limitation based on how you look and how much money you got has nothing to do with the call of God in your life. And with an empty page, God, what would you use me for if I was 10 times more bold? What would you use me for if I wasn't afraid with my voice? What would you use me for if I wasn't afraid of how I looked? What would you use me for if I wasn't limited by money? And let God speak to you. 
Just keep asking the Lord about you. How does God see you? Who are you to God? Lord, I ask for a conviction of who they are before God, Jesus. Not a cowardly, intimidated version of your godly identity, but a powerful, a convicted, that you could be in jail, being stoned, and you would still know who you are before Jesus. You could be in front of 10,000 people on the worst day of your looks, and you will still speak what God has for you. You could have zero pesos, no money at all, and if God says you need to be over there, you'd figure out how to get there.